This podcast was brought to you by Speak Spokane, a community-driven podcasting studio space where people from all walks of life can speak and be heard. Follow along with us on Instagram at Speak Spokane and visit speakpodcasting.com to learn more about starting your podcasting journey today. Today's episode is sponsored by Burn Butter. Burn Butter is an all-natural, low-carb, keto-friendly product created to help you consume healthy fats when you need them the most. You can add it to your coffee, you can add it to your food, you can add it to your smoothies. You can even consume it straight out of the pouch. My favorite way to use it is to add my mocha burn butter to my coffee. You give it a nice blend and you're ready to go. It's a new way to add healthy fats in your diet without making any huge adjustments. You can find Burn Butter at burnbutter.com or you can visit them on Instagram at burnbutters. Go check them out today. What is up, Lilac City, and welcome to Speak Spokane. I'm your host, Brennan, and today on the podcast, I am joined by Armando Hurtado and Joshua Hassong, principal owners of HDG Architecture Firm. And to give you a little bit more of what they're all about, I'm just going to read their bio off their website. HDG is an architecture and design studio based in Spokane, Washington. Make It Matter, a principal HDG was founded on, sets a standard for their approach to every client and every project decision. They are an award-winning Pacific Northwest firm. HDG's artful conceptions are found across the globe in Seattle, Oahu, New York, Idaho, rural Washington, Pennsylvania, and right here in Spokane, which was what our conversation was mostly geared towards. And I just, I just had an amazing time talking to them and learning about what HDG is all about, how they came to start it, and at the end of the conversation, we talk about a really cool way that would make uh, mass transit in downtown Spokane even better. So I, I, it was just a great, great time talking with these two. And so without further ado, here are the principal owners of HDG Architecture, Armando Hurtado and Joshua Hassan. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Thank you both so much for joining me. And Thank I, you for having us. Today we have the principal owners of HDG Architecture, Armando Hurtado. Ugh, I'm Hurtado. That was Hurtado. close. Yeah. You're not the first. You're not the last. <laughs> and Joshua Hisong. Uh, so before we really get into it, I really just want to know a little bit about the both of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, How did you get to Spokane? Are you from Spokane? Just a little bit of your background. Okay. Me first? You're from Lower... Okay. Uh, I'm originally from Mexico, born and slightly raised. Uh, Grew up in San Diego, um, practiced architecture there. My wife and I moved up to, I live in Coeur d'Alene. We moved Mm. up here about 20 years ago. Nice. Took a two and a half month road trip, decided to find something somewhere special. Mm -hmm. Landed in Coeur d'Alene, worked for a few firms. Uh, in the Spokane area, mm-hmm. a couple in Coeur d'Alene, and then I was one of the fortunate recipients of 
the recession. Mm. Uh, so when I was uh, out and about, I uh, decided to, to venture off on my own. And, of course, you end up calling everyone and anyone you know. Right. And uh, I'd met Josh um, in working with him uh, on restaurant design, one of the, uh, my previous firms. Mm. And so he was one of the people I reached out to. He mentioned he had started his own thing as well just recently. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, let's, let's do some stuff together. Mm. So we ventured into a couple projects, and it kind of grew from there. Uh, we ended up liking each other and worked well together, and it's taken off ever since. We've yeah. been in business for... Ten years. Ten years. Wow. Yeah. And you you are the architect. The, yes. Mean, like you're the, the lead architect at yes. HTG? I'm, I'm, yes. I'm the one that gets in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> gets it all, us it all, in trouble. Gets, yeah. <laughs> if it all goes down, it's, it's, I'm joking. But yes, I am the, the licensed architect of the firm. Awesome. And uh, Josh, how about, what's your story in Spokane? Um, so I actually grew up in Coeur d'Alene. Okay. And um, I moved to Spokane in 2007. And I worked at that time for a restaurant design company that also sold equipment for restaurants. And so mm. I just sat and designed restaurant kitchens and dining rooms, and which is where we had met on mm. a couple different projects. Uh, and like Armando, I decided when the economy kind of crashed to, to do my own thing. Mm. And it worked out. His last name starts with an H. Mine starts with an H. And I was like, oh, this is easy. So... Um, like he said, we we did a couple projects, and then it just made sense um, to partner. We have very different skill sets, mm-hmm. um, and I think it, it works really well. Mm-hmm. Ten years later, maybe one argument. Mm. Like, we just, it works very well. That's awesome. The argument was yesterday, so. <laughs> <laughs> Thus the tension in the room. I think I read, I read, I've read one article about you guys. Was it about color? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah. We usually flip a coin when it comes down to that. Yeah, uh, literally. So, uh, so your background is in designing spaces? Yeah. So I actually started um, designing when I was about 28. Mm. And it was because I was told I had to hire an architect um, and I had no idea how much money they cost. And, and so instead, I bought the software and figured it out on my own. Wow, that's awesome. So, well, I, that's, we're going to get into the next part of this, the, uh, the, the part about HCG in a second. I want to okay. do another little warm-up. I ask a couple, a hodgepodge of get-to-know-you questions okay. and about your most treasured places in Spokane. And, but I start with like a would-you-rather, and I ask this to all my all my uh, guesses. Would you rather ride the sky gondola for an hour or ride the carousel for an hour? Sky gondola. Yeah. Hands yeah. down. Gondola. <laughs> don't yeah. want to, you don't want to spin around for an hour? No. No, thank you. <laughs> no. Uh, no, it's not that. I think the horses are just uncomfortable. <laughs> I haven't really, I guess I, I've considered not being in, I don't like the gondola, but I, but I didn't even think about that. If I had to sit on that thing for an hour. Yeah. They're cold. Yeah. They're, Yeah. It yeah. wouldn't be you, and it you'd get tired of picking those rings, and you'd eventually just stop doing it. <laughs> like going going numb in the wrong areas just <laughs> wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, would you rather bike up the Freya Hill or uh, rollerblade down it? Not none. Neither. <laughs> I, I think bike up it. <laughs> I think I, I. That was a question my wife came up with, and I think I would. Is uh, is an electric scooter in the? Ooh, mix? you could Can I may, yeah, pick I, that. I, I don't even think ele- I don't even think those electric scooters could get you up it. And if you went down it, 
you would go over the handlebars. Yeah, but I wouldn't exert myself as much. <laughs> I'd have some assist. <laughs> That's fair. But, uh, but rollerblades. That's well, a tough one. Yeah, but it'd have to be accompanied with um, high socks or whatever those called. <laughs> yes. And, and uh, dolphin shorts. You're, th- you're thinking of roller skates. Different era. Old school. But whatever. Yeah, you could Old yeah, school. roller skate, roller yeah. blade. I mean, I, I think I would roller blade down it. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and would you rather see your favorite musician at the arena or go to, go, go to the Zags game at the kennel? Favorite musician. Favorite musician. See, that's a hard God. one, Josh, because they're both passions of his. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, probably my favorite musician. Mm. I mean, not that, you know, going to a Gonzaga game is probably one of the best things you can do in Spokane. You can go ahead and put on your shirt. You, are you taking it off or putting it on? I was going to take my shirt off, oh, but well. <laughs> you looked at me all weird, <laughs> no, <what> so, <laughs> you know, uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the next part I'll get is like in and around Spokane, this little quick questions, uh, favorite brunch spot. I don't like saying favorite. I use favorite a lot, but you don't have to yeah. say favorite, but like a, a per, like preferable place. Remedy. Mm. I think Incrediburger. I don't know if they do brunch. Or they not, don't do but brunch. Well, they, they do, do like, early lunch. Can, they do. I mean, you if can go. If it's before noon, it's considered a brunch. Okay. You can go yeah. get a breakfast sandwich there. Yeah. I, I, there yeah. you go. My other yeah. oh, office is okay. right down the road from them. We've gotten breakfast. You know what? Yeah. If the burger has an egg, yeah, there you go. Breakfast <laughs> or brunch. Yeah. Remedy. I've never been to Remedy. Where is Remedy at? It's at 38th and Grand. Okay. It's just a really mellow, chill neighborhood place. Yeah, super cool spot. Yeah. I know that like my wife and all of her friends go to Lucky You every mm. weekend yeah. for brunch. Um, but I think it's only because they have free bottomless mimosas. Not free, but bottomless. <laughs> bottomless. For, for like, like, you, like four hours. Wow. Yeah. So That's a good reason. That is a good reason to go yeah. there. <laughs> it's always fun to see her come home in the Uber on Sundays. <laughs> uh, well, to go with that uh, date night, where do you go go on a date? For me, it's Churchill's. Mm. This is their steak is. Uh, I live in Coeur d'Alene, mm-hmm. so my date nights happen there. Dinner, uh, probably fire artisan pizza. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what? Where are you the most in a creative headspace in Spokane? Couple glasses of wine in, <laughs> right there. At fire? Um, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you're at. <laughs> um, you know, our office is it's a really cool environment. Mm-hmm. It's a very creative s- space, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I think it's very easy, for, at least for myself, to find myself. It's very easy to be creative in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be my spot. I would have to agree. I think we've always, since the uh, company started, we've always made sure that the office is a space where you do have the freedom to move around, not just at a desk or in a cubicle, um, but little breakout spaces. Mm. Um, You know, just go lounge on the couch and shut your eyes for 20 minutes and try and think about the the problem that you're trying to solve or, um, you know, we've got a great patio area Mm -hmm. in the summertime. I, I would say, yeah, our office. Yeah. And I think the energy isn't just the space. It's mm-hmm. the people in the space. Yeah. Right? I mean, everyone. I mean, it's just full of creative juices, so to speak. And everyone gets along. Everyone has something amazing to offer. So I think having that environment where you trust everyone and everyone likes each other and there's just 
always, everyone's always willing to help. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that adds to that creative potential. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of a trick question. I was expecting you to say, I, I, dr- I drive by, I go down Washington every once in a while yeah. and I love looking into your space. I like, we'll drive by it at like seven o'clock in the morning and oh, it yeah. will be, it will usually be not many people in there, but there's always like that one person that's sitting at the oh, computer. Yeah. And- that's Steven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I, I love, yeah. I love the space and just driving by it. It's very open and it's very, I mean, even it's very engaging, even just by driving by it. You yeah. just kind of want to know. You want to know what's inside there. Uh, it's a fun environment. It is. And you know what's funny is about six years ago in our old space, which is now um, occupied by Kindness, mm. um, the production company, mm-hmm. uh, I actually asked an employee. I would show up at five at this time when we were a younger company, and there'd be people there. And I would leave at like eight or nine, and there would there would still be people there, mm-hmm. one in particular. And I would always ask him, why, why are you, like, go home. Mm-hmm. And he actually said the office is much more cool than my apartment, mm-hmm. so I'd rather hang out here and work than sit at home and watch TV. So yeah. that's when we were like, "Oh, we gotta, we gotta always make our our offices nice." Yeah, you know, that's important. It's important it to is. have a nice, like, engaging space where your where your team can be mm-hmm. creative. And yeah. it, I think, I mean, it it's a must have in a in a design agency yeah. or any type of creative agency. I think it's important for anyone to have, really. Like, yeah, and we're finding that a lot of the projects that we do for office TIs, um, even in a not knocking engineers, but they're mm. typically a little more like focused on work and don't really mm. care about their environment as much. But we're seeing that, you know, structural, mechanical, civil engineers, they want like a fun, creative space as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they don't know they want it until their ownership group or the partner's build something and yeah. they go wow it's it's really fun to come to work this place is great yeah um but that corporate feel i think is is it's not conducive for any industry it, except yeah. maybe like trust law or something <laughs> uh i guess i'll offshoot from that i mean you guys know all about design and architecture and how you know spaces come about and do you guys know where that came from like where that started like did it i feel like it was a tr- big trend it's become a big trend for like open space. Like mm-hmm. did, did somebody in particular start that, that everyone started copying or do you know, like, like I, I would say it's always been called the Google, mm. you know, um, kind of theory that you give people a fun, open space, a good work environment that they'll want to work mm-hmm. longer hours and that they'll be more comfortable throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of the articles that we've read over the last 10 years regarding the change in, in office design mm-hmm. have always called it the Google effect. I see. Um, yeah. uh, and you look at those Instagram and Facebook and um, Amazon, Microsoft, they're all trying to make sure that large amounts of people fit in as tight of an area as comfortably as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there was one statistic that in 1980, the average person took up 500 square feet per office. Huh. Like that was their footprint in the 80s compared to like 75 to 125 square feet today. Wow. So, um, well, and then creating a collaborative environment, a conducive environment to create, to, to elicit people's creativity. Mm-hmm. Right? And, yeah. and creativity isn't, doesn't just apply to design. Mm-hmm. It applies to engineering, accounting. I mean, they all have, they all have their aspect of creativity. Mm. I think if creating that environment 
that's conducive to that specific creativity only creates a, a relaxed approach, mm -hmm. which obviously opens up your thoughts and allows you to, to incorporate that creativity in whatever you do. Mm. So it's directly tied to your environment. Yeah. He just saved me from making fun of engineers. So thank you, <laughs> as always. <laughs> they are. I mean, you, no, no, I mean, no. Everyone does, right. right? Everyone, You're everyone right. is solving something, and he takes creativity to solve something. Mm -hmm. Complex numbers, complex structures, whatever it is, right? Yeah. We're all trying to solve it. Well, let's, well, yeah. I guess like, we're getting into it about creativity and what the what how that's important to yeah. your space. Let's talk about, tell us about HTG and where it all began. In two, is it 2010? Is that when, mm -hmm. it, when it started? Yes, ish. And you know, like we mentioned, um, <clears throat> I think we were very fortunate that uh, it ended up working out the way it did. Um, I think both Josh and I were advised by friends and family, don't step into a partnership. Mm. It's, it's, it's rarely works well. Um, and I think me, at least me personally, never owned a business, uh, hadn't experienced that, mm -hmm. hadn't experienced anything relative to a partnership. So I think I went into it naively, and um, I don't think at that point really recognized uh, the benefit of Josh's skill set relative to mine. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm very grateful that, that you know, speaking for myself, I stepped into the into the relationship because mm. it is a relationship uh, beyond just having uh, two very different and strong skill sets. There is enough of an overlap that creates a really good product. But behind that really good product is the the friendship, the trust. Um, it's not perfect, but it's really good. Mm. And uh, Josh is an amazing communicator. And yeah, there is tension at times and there is frustrations at times with each other's personality or with each other's objectives or tact on a, on a business or project basis, right? But um, we've, we've, we've developed a connection and friendship that allows us to work through that, right? And I know I joked earlier about flipping a coin <laughs> and, and the nice thing about that is that our differences on what we're trying to achieve from a business perspective or a project perspective are so small that flipping a coin is a really great way to resolve it because we are so close in our thought process mm -hmm. that, you know, it, it is a wall beige or tan. Well, he's adamant about beige. I'm ad adamant about tan, but we know that either one's going to be fine. So very fortunate that way, um, and you know, hopefully this continues for much longer. Yeah, I don't know if I diverted or answered your question. Wait, no, <laughs> not. I mean, I, I love it. It's, it's really. So where did the where did the friendship begin? Then? Um, so the the few projects that we did work on together prior to starting HDG, we got along really well. I dug mm -hmm. his style. He's really good at what he does. Um, and he had a sense of humor. Um, so, so when we, when he started his thing and I started mine and we reached out to each other, um, it was, it was very easy for us to sit down and go, okay, well, you know, here's a proposal, here's the client, let's, let's do this project together. And it just went very smoothly. Mm. Um, and so we continued to partner on projects with our separate firms for about 
six to 10 months, mm. something like that. And then it just made more sense um, to, to become one. Mm. Um, and then once we did that, obviously it was 2010, 2011, there wasn't a ton of, of work happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were in the, the midst or grips of a recession. So we did anything and everything. Mm. Like somebody, somebody wants a new kitchen island. Great, we'll design it. You know, you've got 38 bucks to pay us. No problem. We'll design it. Yeah. Um, so our project type was uh, everything from the kitchen island to, you know, a ground up building, but everything in between drive through coffee shop. Um, somebody just wants a new paint color for a building. Um, and I think that flexibility in our and our willingness to do whatever has helped us and will help us if there's ever you know any sort of economic woe in in spokane with uh, construction um, we do every project type multifamily, residential commercial ti's ground up um, there really isn't anything we won't do mm. um, and it's helped i mean i think we're working on like i don't know 12 or 13 different homes ground up kind of higher end residential um, as well as our regular commercial buildings, tenant improvements, office design. Um, so I think starting out the way we did and both of us kind of being willing to do whatever it takes to, mm -hmm. to keep the company going, um, you know, because paychecks were few and far between in the beginning and um, we had to make it make it worthwhile somehow. Right. Was so. it, was, was going off on your own and creating HDG? Was it a, was it a leap of faith or was it like a no brainer for you guys? Was it just, did it just made sense because you work so well together? Um, I, I think after about six months, it was a no brainer. Mm. You know, we didn't, we didn't know what was going to happen. And, and at that time, um, the, it was all or nothing for Armando. Mm. Um, I had a, other businesses to fall back on restaurants that I owned. Um, and so for me, it was like, yeah, if it, if it fails, then it fails. I still got a job. I can still bust tables. Mm. Um, and, uh, I don't think that's how either of us, as far as an effort goes, that's not how we played it out. I mean, we didn't, it was all or nothing for both of us, I think. Yeah. I think for me, it was, um, you know, I'd always had the, the idea that one day I'd love to start my own firm, even when times were good, but I was always too scared to do it. Right. Never had the nerve or the guts to do it, actually, because it was a very scary thought. Mm -hmm. And so now uh, the opportunity of the recession comes along, and it was sort of bittersweet. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, okay, now I, I, I have to, right? Nothing else was available or happening. I'd I didn't think I could do anything else mm -hmm. uh, from a skill set, so it was it was uh, it was I, I'm kind of bound to who I am and what I do, but there's no work out there. Okay, well, I guess I'm going to give it a shot, mm. you know, and and grateful that it worked out. Uh, and and the thirty eight dollar deal has expired until further notice. By the way, yeah, we Just don't saying. do thirty eight dollar projects anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they, People bring us budgets of 38 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, super grateful it all worked out. And, yeah. and to Josh's point, um, in hindsight, uh, glad that we did this during the hardest of times. For sure. I mean, that... And having, developing the confidence that 
we feel pretty good about weathering anything else. Right. I was going to say, like, I mean, if you can weather that and then come into yeah. COVID and still weather that, like, yeah. I mean, that's you're going to be pretty bulletproof, yeah, right? We, we, have, <laughs> we have a few calluses. Yeah, so. no kidding. <laughs> uh, so I was going to ask you, what was uh, your first project? Um, I think it was one of the first it was for HDG Dave. projects. Wasn't it Fire? Well, Fire was one of the first, Fire Pizza Coeur d'Alene was one mm, of yeah. the first that we did. Um, but we also had done some little TIs um, for like Dave Black at NAI Black. That's right. um, yeah. He tried to throw us as much as he could. Mm-hmm. And he had given us a little closet um, in his building for free for a bit while we got our feet wet. Mm. And then we eventually leased a space from him for like three or four years. Um, but... Yeah, I want to say it was a little strip mall, and we were just supposed to pick new finishes okay, on it. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I don't want to admit which one it is because they didn't, <laughs> they didn't, they didn't build it exactly how we oh, hoped. Okay. Yeah. So when you when you design something, and you know this, you're designer creative, mm-hmm. right? The the entirety of the design has to be intact, mm-hmm. or some of the other pieces may not work. Right. So mm-hmm. that's all I'm going to say. Um. Was it a facade, like an like a yeah yeah yeah? yeah. yeah. It's a new facade. Yeah. Um, so. So can you? We talked about you know fire in Coeur Can you touch on some spaces that you guys have created within Spokane? Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, I mean, you've done a ton. We right? we have, and I'm I'm just thinking of some of the more recognized ones. We usually end up being public spaces, such as restaurants. Right. Mm-hmm. Those get frequented by more people than say, office spaces or obviously uh, residential. Mm -hmm. Uh, The one that comes to mind uh, in particular, because it was one of our first projects and I think uh, a great experience and the transformation was night and day, and that's Nudo Mm. downtown. Uh, Very clean design, uh, an incredible amount of effort to take it from where it was to where it ended up mm. and it's you wouldn't be able to tell because there is it is a, such a simple design mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of moving parts and pieces which is part of its elegance mm-hmm. uh, so I think that's probably one of my one of my favorite experiences mm. uh, in creating that space he's just yeah. flipping off the camera I'm sorry that's why I'm giggling oh. <laughs> uh, and, and right next door Fire Pizza. Fire Pizza, yes. And then above Nudo and Fire was an old dance um, hall mm. of some kind. And we turned that into four like really dope lofts mm-hmm. for the Diamond um, parking family. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's fun to, to walk by that building now because it was an empty restaurant, right. a shoe store that had closed, and then a dance space that was, I mean, it was not in great condition um and we slowly one piece by another just redid the whole thing that's cool that's really cool i i whenever you walk by it you see the apartment spaces above and you're like those look so cool they're so amazing it'd be like so cool to live there yeah yeah Yeah. i think those those as challenging as it may be they're also fun because it's compared to a ground up project right Mm -hmm. you've got bare dirt and you're developing and growing something right but mm-hmm. when you're maneuvering around existing components mm-hmm. and trying to 
uh, infuse the right program and the right look and the right feel. The challenge is a little more real because mm-hmm. you're also dealing with budgetary constraints and you can't always pin a cost to things because it may be an old building and there may be unforeseen situations or conditions, right? So you're navigating all aspects uh, with a fine-tooth comb. Mm. You know, yeah, it's, it's more like a puzzle. More like a puzzle, a ground up. You know, you know how you're building it. You know what it's going to be made of. You have a pretty solid budget. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are fun as well, but uh, I think the latest project, most recent project, is the Canopy Credit Union up on on Francis. Mm. It was our second location that we've done with them, and that building needed a lot of love. <laughs> and it was and, hard to figure out how to implement their new brand from Spokane Federal Credit Union Canopy mm. and the new look that we created in the Valley with them, and implement it into this old building that kind of looked like a. 70s, 80s law firm, or um, I mean, I think it has always been a bank yeah. of some yeah. sort. But mm. yeah. just it, it was it was fun to sit and try and creatively figure out in a within a budget how to give it a, a new look. Mm. Um, and and then another one of those just night and day. Yeah, it was very congested and very overcooked mm. originally, and. All the existing structures there, the existing walls are still there. The mm. existing roof line is still there, but you would never know it. We just hit it with a giant billboard all the way around the building, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was the original concept from the first branch. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, those I think present uh, a different type of challenge mm. that I think ends up being a little more rewarding. Yeah, than a ground up. I was going to ask you about canopy. Uh, so. Did you guys do? Would you? Did you come? Did you do the branding for them as well with propaganda? Propaganda, yeah, yeah. yeah. creative, yeah. And so you basically took. They gave. They came to you and said, "We want to just, this rebrand this. We want to one eighty. We want to one eighty everything. Company. Yeah, uh, which is a, a really impressive, bold move on their part. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's equally as impressive is their time frame and their decision making and their, their deliberate and precise decision-making. Mm. Uh, I don't want to call it no fear, but very well thought out and very well executed. They brought in all the right teams that right beyond us. Mm. Jimmy, there's, a, there's, a, there's a pretty, it's a pretty large endeavor. Um, and it, us being a small piece of that, the architecture and the branding, um, we're very fortunate that we have propaganda creative in our mm-hmm. own in our same space. So that that collaborative energy was epic. It was it was, it was awesome. And and they did a brilliant job on that. And, and collaborating with them on every aspect of architecture and vice versa just created a very seamless approach to what ended up being now what's now Canopy Credit Union. Yeah, that's awesome. That seems like such a unreal process to be able to take a a brand and then just yeah. refresh it and. And yeah. work together, take your two. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was going to ask you about propaganda. How is that connected to HDG? Is it just same space? Well, or you guys, are, are you, are you, do you own that? So we bought propaganda in 2000, I want to say 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was uh, a one or two man show. And um, we basically just wanted somebody to help us market our architecture firm Mm. and we figured if we owned the company it would be easier to get them to do our stuff first Mm. um and it's never been the case they've always they've always been super busy Mm. since uh since we took it over and we brought jason um claregate 
um, on as a partner right from the get-go. And he's taken it from, you know, one or two people to where it is now. And then he and Kyle Hurley in 2019 Mm -hmm. um, purchased Armando and I's stake in the company Mm. with the caveat that they have to stay in our building with us because that, that energy that Armando was speaking of earlier is it's real. It's, um, and it's on not just canopy, but on probably 30% of our projects, we're able to collaborate with them Mm. Um, so we're stoked that Kyle and Jason have taken it where it is. They have a great staff. They're growing really fast. Um, but I think we have seven years where they agreed to stay with us wherever we move. Wow. So yeah. are you going to build up? <laughs> you know, we actually, yeah, well, funny you say that. Yeah. We, we talked <laughs> to a uh, structural engineer, Craig, over at DCI we need ab- more space. about that because we've outgrown our mm. space. and. And our idea when we bought the building was, well, we've got the center space, which will be our studios, mm-hmm. and then we've got these other tenants. Yeah. And as we grow, we'll just kick tenants out. Well, you get to know them, and it's like Todd, the guy at the skate shop, I can't fathom having him not in the building. Um, and, and Right Mind Printing. and like So the idea of, of pushing people out so we can grow, we'd rather find a new space. Right. Those guys are rad. I was going to ask you about, like, so about your property at South Washington was like what, you know, I was going to ask what makes it so unique, but like, was it just a no brainer to go get an, get a property in this room? No, we were like probably a week from signing a like seven year lease on a cool little building downtown. Mm. And we started whiteboarding the numbers and it just kind of clicked in my head. And, and I looked at Armando, I'm like, with what we're going to be paying in rent, we could literally spend a million dollars purchasing a building. Mm. And so then, you know, the light bulbs went off and, and we started kind of sketching what we think we can afford today and in two years and in five years. Mm. And, and so then we went on the hunt and um, the old Cars Corner bar yeah. had a sign. It wasn't listed anywhere online, but had a sign and we drove by and, and it looked like shit. Um, Oh, it's fine. We can, okay. I mean, um, I don't think shit's going to get us in trouble. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I can make this explicit too. So yeah, <laughs> you, we've got time. We have right? to, um, t- so we drove by, we called on it and, um, it was listed at a very fair price, mm. incredibly fair price. Mm. Um, and so we jumped on it yeah. and yeah, yeah, Josh, Josh, uh, even to this day, he, he has this, them on the pulse, so to speak, for everything real estate that's happening in Spokane and mm. in the in the surrounding areas, not just for opportunities for us, either for growth or an investment, but for our clients. We have clients that come to us to assist in finding them the right space for their business. So Josh is really good about connecting the dots, the client, the space, uh, whether it's, they need our services or not. Right. We, we tend to, to kind of because we're, we're Josh is so good about knowing what's going on in Spokane mm-hmm. beyond just real estate. But um, that's obviously directly tied to what we do. So in Josh's search, and again, it's uh, we were looking at other opportunities and weighing our options, whether we rent or we buy mm-hmm. uh, relative to how fast we were growing. And like Josh mentioned, we spotted this building and jumped on it. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, what do you prefer to do in terms of like creating 
a new space, you do you, would you rather go ground up or is it more rewarding taking an old space and redoing it and making it refreshing it? I would That's say personally, question. I like to um, renovate because mm. um, ground up's easy. Yeah. I mean, that's there's no challenge when you're designing ground up. There are challenges in how to fit someone's program into a certain square footage that they can afford or that they're willing to spend. Mm. But with a Rima, I mean, I'm looking around your space. It's mm. dope. Um, it, it stuff like this. You've got a literal studio in an old building that ten years ago looked like it was going to get torn down. Um, your lobby, I haven't seen the rest of the space, but like this is the kind of shit that I love doing. Yeah. Just yeah. like this. It's cool like walking down. I mean, I, I'm i not that familiar with what the history of this building, but you see the Bennett block and you see the mm. 1889 on it and you're like, my studio is literally in a building downtown Spokane yeah. that was built in 1889. Yeah, 131 years yeah. ago, somebody was laying brick here and... Mm -hmm. um, you know, and now you've re-exposed the brick and yeah, no, it's, this is the kind of stuff I love doing. Yeah. For me, it's a little bit based on geographical location, mm. uh, within a city. You know, I love being in the downtown area and the patina of an old building is really attractive mm -hmm. and that, um, complementing that grit with new is to me very appealing. I think I would, I would I would choose to renovate some cool old building. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love the idea of like I I mean, you, <laughs> I I don't know if Spokane started doing it yet, but I really love it when architecture <clears throat> architects or designers or whatever you want to say is they take up space and they make it new, but they don't get rid of the patina like you mm -hmm. say. Like it's just. Yeah. Like I, you go into like Seattle and they take old houses and they just demolish them and they just put up these brand new sure. houses. And I don't think there's anything terribly wrong with that, but I just, there's something about the original. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. There's something yeah. Sure. And then there's obviously the almighty dollar, right? Is right. It, is it worth keeping or restoring? And, right. Yeah. But that is Well, and I think that's one of the issues that we've dealt with in, in Spokane, like the Jensen Bird building, mm. um, the cost to renovate versus the cost to tear it down and build new and mm -hmm. and and yeah so you do run into that situation where For money sure. is going to play a part and and we also have to look at our our footprint on the planet mm -hmm. um can we build a building that'll accommodate three thousand people and make sure it's energy efficient and you mm -hmm. know you can't do that sometimes with older buildings yeah um so absolutely so I'm doing a little research on you guys. I, I ran across another business that I don't, if you co-own or if you're just partners with, but was Faber. Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk about Faber a little bit? I was reading about it. I just thought it was an amazing connection with what you guys do at HDG and mm -hmm. the woodworking there. And I definitely see it in a lot of your spaces. You yeah. do a ton of woodworking. Yeah. But can you talk about Faber a little bit? Yeah, so it was a guy that did... I don't know, 60 or 70% of the, the work that we were designing, hmm. um, he would build out the furniture and, and I could name uh, Wasabi, Nudo, um, Fire Pizza he did work for. I mean, just a lot of restaurants. He was doing the booths and the tables and the, the mill work in hmm. general. And he came to us four years ago 
2016, I think, and, and basically said, hey, I, I'm done. I'm really good at woodwork. I'm not good at selling. I'm not good at managing a company. Um, either help me hire someone or I'm going to have to shut down. And so we said, well, what if we bought the company and, mm. and, and helped you with the sales and helped you with the marketing and, and helped you work with an accountant, get a good lawyer, all the stuff that you need to, to have a solid business. Um, and so it worked out and, um, they've grown quite a bit and, um, yeah, it's just, it's nice to be able to be in the middle of designing something and call like a, a, a woodworker that's incredible mm -hmm. and say, Hey, this is what we designed. Is it feasible? Mm. He's like, yeah, no, that can't float. You have to have something holding it up. <laughs> okay. So what if we did this? Could we hang it? Yeah, no, you can't because then it would. Yeah, so no, I mean, it's it's good to have that piece of it. Yeah, it was so. it was also our goal to have direct access to the parts and pieces that complement our designs, mm. right? Call it control, right? And that was the idea with with propaganda and with Faber is to be able to have that world that would allow us to execute a design in a way that that we felt was right and not have to depend on others. Yeah, so it's a, it's a really great relationship. Uh, we really enjoy having that, that freedom to have those conversations and that dialogue and that collaborative nature of, of whatever we're trying to achieve and know with 100% certainty that it's gonna get done the way we want it. Mm. Right? We're not leaving it to anyone else but ourselves. That's awesome. So do they they do a lot of the woodworking, most of the woodworking in your designs. And you yes. guys, do you guys just, I mean, you'll put in the furniture too. Like you'll mm -hmm. design a lot of the furniture that goes into your spaces as well from yeah. tables and yeah. 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 All the cabinetry and residential. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Little built pieces. I mean, we also uh, obviously suggest and um, incorporate furnishings, mm. purchased pieces that complement design as well but right. obviously that's outsourced mm. uh is there anything that people would misunderstand or that that is misunderstood about hdg that people wouldn't know about like do you, is there anything i'm trying to think of what comes to mind i don't think i don't i don't think i know anything about hdg that would i think I'm, i misunderstand but uh with what you guys are doing like is there an environmental side of what you're trying to create in your spaces too like is there a piece of that like I, I didn't find anything I didn't know like but I imagine most architects and most design companies are trying to be very environmentally friendly when they create their spaces and with yeah. you know how does that play into what you guys that's that's a layer that's in everything that we do mm. being environmentally responsible mm. you know um, and there's varying degrees of that Right. But that's that's always our beginning tact or direction. How can we, like Josh was saying earlier, how can we mitigate, minimize the impact to the environment as we execute this design? Mm. You know, um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's incumbent upon any designer, any architect, anyone that has an impact on the planet. I think it's as, as design professionals uh, or anyone putting some footprint on this planet, I think it's our responsibility to make sure that we're being sensitive and aware and conscious of what we're doing and how we're doing it. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's always a thought.
yeah. layer. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, I'm going to pivot just a little bit. I'm going to ask you guys a little bit about Spokane. Is there anything in Spokane that you would like to see changed? Like, is there anything about it that's just, it's just missing mm-hmm. or something that you just want to see more of? Dude, that was a big breath in. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just hoping you speak up so I don't say anything. No, you, um, you live I, in Spokane. I, I'll throw it on you. <laughs> you know, I've lived downtown for many, many years. Um, I moved up to the South Hill for a bit, and we're actually moving back downtown um, end of November. Mm. Um, my wife and I and our little one. And I do have an issue with, the way that we handle our transportation downtown, mm. the location of the STA um, versus any other city that would have it just outside the core and mm. then have just a very simple bus that does loops. Yeah. And so you catch your bus from the South Hill, from the north side, from the valley. You land at, like, let's say where the train station is. You kind of you land over here, mm-hmm. and then there's a little community bus that you jump on and jump off, and it just runs a loop. Mm-hmm. The fact that we have so many buses trashing the streets downtown and um, because big, huge vehicles like that are hard on our roads and yeah. we already have bad roads. Um, it's literally dead center of the city. So it could be utilized in a in a better fashion, in my opinion, than what it's used for now. For sure. Um, that's always been for the last 15 years, my biggest issue with downtown. Um, I think uh, from a political standpoint, um, you know, Condon spent eight years trying to clean up downtown mm-hmm. and, and, and trying to do it as gingerly as possible without offending. And, and I think, um, every mayor that's stepped in has had the goal of making downtown more vibrant, um, which you're only, you know, communities, I don't want to say worth, but, um, your downtown has to be strong and clean and safe Mm, in order for you to have a good economy. Um, and you have to do that in a sensitive manner because there are people that need help and need a hand. And, and, um, so it's, it's tricky. I wouldn't want to be a politician. Um, I just, (laughs) for so many reasons, but, um, I would say that's my biggest beef with downtown. If I could improve one thing, that would be it. I remember years ago they were, I mean, that old Safeway or I don't know if it was Albertsons that's on Maple mm-hmm. laid vacant for a really long time. And they had mentioned, there had been mention of that becoming mm-hmm. the new bus. I don't know if this is like hearsay or, sure. but if anything like that, I know that then they were going to talk about, I don't know what they're going to do with the plaza, what they're going to do with it. They had, they had some ideas, but do you know anything about that? Did, of why that didn't happen? Why, why doesn't that no, happen? No, and, and I've heard, and I can't remember what the, buildings or the areas were but i've heard numerous times that there were thoughts of moving it out Mm. of downtown yeah um you know and and again i've traveled a lot in the u.s and and other cities have those stations where they're not affecting foot traffic and business traffic and shopping traffic and um i'm not sure why we haven't done it yeah, it makes. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It would really make sense to not have it right in the core of downtown. Yeah, and um, other cities where you can jump on. The, I lived in Pasadena for I don't know, three or four years, and and we had this. It was called the Arts Bus, and you just there were like thirty stops, and it took you from Caltech mm. up to Colorado Boulevard, 
in this loop and you just jumped on and jumped off whenever you wanted. Yeah. It was just a little free bus. Yeah. Um, and I actually got on it. And to be honest, I've never got on a bus in Spokane. Um, even though sometimes I have to run from downtown to, or from our space to the YMCA and it would be great if I could just jump on a, a bus and mm. run down five or six blocks, um, jump off and then go where I need to go. But it's not the case and we don't have that in Spokane and it is something that I think we should have. Yeah, that mean, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah, to have something. I mean, I know, and I'm not sure if this is true, but in Seattle, like they have the, you know, the buses that go from Pioneer Square to downtown yep. to, and I, I believe those are free within a certain radius of downtown. Yeah, so yeah. It is a very, and it is, we are becoming a lot more, a lot more people are downtown. There mm-hmm. would make sense. I mean, I parks up by I park up by the arena and walk down here through the yeah. park but yeah if there was a I know there is like a bus but you got to pay for it <laughs> yeah. yeah and I would even be okay with it if you know paying or buying a pass that mm. you know if if I knew I could let's just say from our little corner of downtown at third and Washington mm-hmm. to Kendall Yards oh yeah there was some sort of little windy loop that took us you'd get out and you'd go to lunch more often and for sure um you know I'd the scooters are great. The bikes are great. But I'm always afraid I'm going to hit by a bus. In fact, a bus hit Jason, one of the owners of Propaganda. Bus took out the yeah. whole front of his truck yesterday. Oh, gosh. Parked in front of our building. Yeah. So anyway, I'm not knocking STA because it's yeah. super important that yeah, we have sure. public transportation. Um, and, and those people work incredibly hard. But I think they would even agree that um, the congestion in the center of downtown mm. doesn't make sense. Right. I love it. I, I think that I, I've never even thought about it too much, but when I hear it coming from you, it makes a lot of sense. So, well, this is the very last question. And I ask everyone this, what's next for HDG? I ask everyone, what's yeah. next for HD, HDG? Guys? No, what, is, what is it for you guys? Well, right now we're strategizing and trying to figure out how we can accommodate our growth. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I mentioned Josh has his thumb on the pulse as to what's happening around Spokane. So we're trying to figure out how to, uh, how to expand, mm. uh, cause, uh, things are great and, uh, we need, we need more. Yeah. <laughs> we need more space. More space. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great challenge to have. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and how do you guys, how does HDGC, how do you see your company creating change in Spokane? Um, I would say the way that people live, work, play, um, you know, design affects every aspect of our lives. Um, And I think the the changes that we're making in in Nudo, Fire, some of these restaurants, Mm -hmm. you know, Remedy, um, we're trying to bring a little bit of culture in through design to Spokane. Um, you know, the way that you re- interact with your environment at a restaurant or in your office or in your home. Um, you know, I would love to design the next great tower in Spokane, but um, I'm also cool with just slowly doing little bits and pieces um, and making an impact in that manner. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on our show and being one of the, the very first guests. Thanks I, so much for having us. Yes, yeah, thank you. I, I really appreciate, I appreciate it. it. And uh, and do you guys have any shout outs to like socials, anything? I would love to say um, thank you to Matea, 
Hmm. Um, Matea is our first ever um, director of marketing for HTG. Um, we've never had someone that actually helps us um, go and do things like this. Awesome. Um, so, yeah. That's Matea always, Ped. Yeah, that's always been a, a, I don't know, frustrating, but something that we've wanted to improve for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were fortunate to have Matea knock on our door and say, I got you. You know, yes. and and so far she has. She's done a phenomenal job and she continues to do an amazing job for us. So we're very grateful and very happy that she's helping us because we needed it. Yeah. <laughs> like a babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, you know the, the amazing people we work with, all our consultants. Mm. Um, you know, we don't we don't do this alone. All the people in our in our office, you know, Danny, uh, Stephen, Noah, Haley, mm. Aubrey, uh, Ro- Aubrey, Robert, Jim. I mean, uh, you know, Veronica. All propaganda. There. It isn't Josh and I. Mm. It's everyone in the office, and all our consultants. It. it it literally takes a village to make some of this stuff happen. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, we're super grateful that we work with a lot of really good people. Uh, Matea is here, and she has something to say. Yeah, oh. give give her the mic. <laughs> what do you have to say? Wow, thanks for the shout out. Um, really enjoyed working with you guys, and excited for the future. Of course, I'm the director of marketing, so I'm gonna plug our Instagram real quick. HDG underscore architecture. So give us a follow. Absolutely. Go do that. Go follow them. And and again, thank you so much for joining us and being on our show. Josh, Armando, it was a pleasure. I was super nervous to interview you interview to to because I, I didn't know much about you. I've I've been in the design community for a while sure. and I've always heard of HCG and propaganda and what you guys do. Yeah. And uh, you always hear things about people and you never know what you're really going to get. Sure. And you guys are just amazing to talk to. I'm so, I'm so, so happy that you came here and, uh, yeah, thank you. Well, thank thank you. you. We appreciate yeah. the invitation. This was, this was awesome. Thank awesome. you. All right. Peace. That's right. <laughs>